podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. good boys and girls two for the podcast today is wednesday it is the 28th the 28th of june it's almost july how is this year going so quickly we're into the back half of the year as of saturday anyway the sun is out the rain is gone which is nice but folks i had this mad dream last night i had this mad dream where a football club in England agreed to pay, and you're going to love this, agreed to pay a hundred million guaranteed, plus five million in add-ons for Declan Rice, 
who's a fifty million pound footballer, a hundred million pounds for Declan Rice, absolute madness. But surely something as stupid as that couldn't happen in reality. Oh no, 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 it is happening. It is happening. Arsenal have made a bid of a hundred million and five million in add-ons for Declan Rice. Madness. Absolute madness. Now, as we know, Arsenal had previously made two bids, the second of which was 75 million plus 15 in add-ons, so it was 75 million. City then bid 80 plus 10 million in add-ons, which was basically 85, maybe 90. And now Arsenal have bid 100 with five in add-ons. Now, don't we yet know what those add-ons are for? But it's 100 million. And City have backed out. Now, here's the thing. City knew their offer was going to get turned down. So why did they make an offer that they knew wasn't up to the asking price of what West Ham wanted? and then back out immediately after Arsenal's offer went in. Why would City do that? Now, I saw someone on TalkSport say that when they were working as a director of football, she used to call clubs that she was friendly with and say, look, I want to buy this player. My owner is not willing to go to the price. Can you make a bid to maybe force our hand. Now, people were mocking her for this. This happens. This does happen. There is at least one player currently playing at a Premier League club right now where the club that owned him didn't want him. They made a bid because someone else asked them to to try and spark an owner into reacting. And the owner didn't react, and they ended up having to go through with the deal. So, this does happen. Whether it happened in this scenario, I don't know. But it is odd that City would make a bid, knowing it was going to be declined, and then immediately back away. If City really wanted Declan Rice, they would outbid Arsenal. There's no question. And Rice was open to either move probably knowing he'd get better wages and have far more chance of winning stuff with City. So it is a little bit funny. Did City do here what they did with Harry Maguire? What they did with Cristiano Ronaldo? What they did with Alexis Sanchez? Did they just bid to try and force the price up to harm a rival's budget? That seems more likely to me. It seems more likely to me that what City were trying to do was force Arsenal to overpay, which then limits Arsenal's ability to complete other deals. But I wouldn't have any doubts that if they could have gotten Rice, they would have taken Rice because Rice and Rodri as a two would be quite good. Rice as a box-to-box midfielder next to Rodri would kick his game up to a new level and could unlock certain things and hide his defensive weaknesses. Putting him in Arsenal 
where he'll have to play as the defensive midfielder. And it does look like Thomas Partey is going to leave. That's that's going to expose his defensive issues. Now, going from Partey to Rice as a six is a downgrade. And if you're doing it at about a 75 million net spend, that's problematic. Going from Xhaka to Havertz could be an upgrade, but is Havertz likely to be a whole lot better than Xhaka was last season? No, especially not in his first year. Maybe two, three years down the line, but he won't be as good defensively as Granit Xhaka. He'll be better in the final third because he's a better player. But as an eight, it's it's funky. They're spending $165 million on Declan Rice and Kai Havertz. They're spending $165 million on $100 million worth of talent to, without question, get worse in the short term. Maybe get better in the long term, but it's a maybe. It's not a guarantee. Thomas Partey at 24 was a lot better defensively than Declan Rice is now. And he's a better passer. Rice is a better ball winner, but Rice's style of ball winning is to go and win the ball. It's to be a roaming destroyer type. That's why him and Suchek work so well. Because Suchek would just sit, largely because he couldn't run, but he would sit. There's no one in that Arsenal midfield that can just sit in now. Now, maybe with the way they invert Zinchenko, they'll have Zinchenko just sit in. Is he breaking up any attack? Jurian Timber looks like he's also going to arrive at Arsenal this summer. It's about 45 million. So that's about 210 million to have a stronger bench with Timber. Now, I would be starting him over Ben White personally because I think then White makes a lot of sense as the backup there and the backup at right side centre-back and the backup as your number six. I think Rice could be that utility squad player. I think that would, or not Rice, sorry, White would be that utility squad player, right back, centre-back, holding midfield. Timber as the starting right back improves your defence. But your midfield has gotten weaker defensively. I don't know what else they plan to do after that. I don't think they'll have a whole lot more money. They will sell some players, but they also need to balance out some of the spending that they're doing right now. So they might sell Balogun, Partey and Kieran Tierney, but if they sell Tierney, surely they need to replace him as well, unless they're going to say to Jakob Kiwor, you're our backup left side centre-back and left back, which would mean that when Zinchenko's not on the team, the geometry of their team changes because they won't have that left back inverting into midfield because I don't think Jakob Kiewer could do that. It'll be interesting to see what they do. It will. It'll be interesting how they line up. I just, I have a hard time seeing a midfield of Odegaard, Rice and Havertz who are all a good age and all have a lot of talent and potential I really have a tough time seeing that midfield work week on week on week in the Premier League, in the Champions League, against teams that are well set up, against teams that move the ball quickly through midfield, and against teams with powerful midfield runners. 
it could be an issue for, for Arsenal at different points in the season. And then your your depth is maybe Ben White, El Nenny, and Fabio Vieira. And maybe you keep Sambi Laconga around. It's not great. Not great at all. Um, but yeah, that's what's happening. It looks like Arsenal will get their man. And yeah, best of luck to them. I mean, it's a huge overpay, but if he's their top target, have at it. You would have been better off spending, you know, 80, 85 on Moises Caicedo. I think Chelsea will get Caicedo, who's a better player now, with a far higher ceiling, who's younger, the wages will be less, and he's going to be cheaper. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, We're going to move on. We're going to look today at the, you know what, we'll do the news first, then we'll go to break, then we'll come back and we'll do the the three newly promoted teams, and then we'll do the gossip to finish. So, other news today, Mateo Kovacic has been confirmed as a new Manchester City midfielder, uh, 25 million, 5 million in add-ons, he has signed a four-year contract, he is an outstanding player. The only issue with him is he does get hurt every so often. But when he's fit, he's as good as anyone in the league. He's just turned 29. He's still going to have at least two to three really good years in him. He's been... He's been consistently a standout for Chelsea in his time there. And he's a winner as well, which is something Pep will want. He's won two Croatian titles with uh, Dinamo Zagreb, two Croatian Cups with them as well, won La Liga with Real Madrid, three-time European Cup winner with Real, two-time European Super Cup winner and World Club Cup winner. Also won a European Cup with Chelsea, so that's four European Cups if you're keeping count. So, you know, you could probably get fair odds that he might win a fifth at Manchester City. Also won a European Super Cup and a World Club Cup there. Two-time runner-up in the FA Cup, two-time runner-up in the League Cup with Chelsea. Uh, With Croatia, he's been part of their squads and teams for a third-place finish in the last World Cup and a second-place finish in 2018. He is just an outstanding footballer. 95 caps for his country. Great dribbler, great passer, reads the game very, very well. When he broke through, I don't think he's quite become the player he could have become because I think the time spent with Real, where he was playing fairly regularly, 34 games, 39 games, 36 games in his three seasons there, he was kind of a utility player for them. And he would play some games as a holding midfielder, some games he'd, instead of Casemiro, some he'd play instead of Modric and be asked to be that more attacking playmaker. Some games he played instead of Cruz and he's been asked to be that sort of um, metronome. So, I mean, he, he didn't, he developed probably more as an all round footballer. But I don't know that he developed as a specialist, which is what I had hoped he would be. Now, 
when I first saw him, my first thought was, this is Gaza 2.0. That same type of powerful dribbling style, incredibly quick feet. And nimble for a big guy, really nimble. Um, let's have a look at the European Cup finals that he's been involved in. So didn't play in the ninth in the 2016 final. I believe he was injured. 2017 was on the bench but didn't play. And 2018 was on the bench but didn't play. Um but played in the group stage in knockout games. Eight games, six games, seven games. Then played, obviously, a, a, an important role for Chelsea um, when they won it. They also played an important role when they won the Europa League. Uh, if we go to the 21 Champions League final where Chelsea beat Manchester City. Yeah, he came off the bench in that one. But he played regularly through the competition. And then they won the Europa League under, was it Sarri? It was, it was Sarri that was there. Yeah, because Frank took over and Frank clearly didn't win it. Um, and he started in the final of that one. So this is a guy with great European pedigree, four European Cups and uh, a Europa League to his name. I mean, there's, there's very few players with better pedigree than that. Very few players that have been around as much winning as him both at club and international level. He joins a club that have just won the treble. Uh, you'd expect that he'll win probably two to three league titles in his four years there. And the aim, I'm, I'm sure, will be to win another European Cup in that time. I think it's a great signing. He, he's a different type of player to Gundogan, but I do think he's got the ability to be every bit as good as Gundogan and every, every bit as effective, just in slightly different ways. I think he can impact the game more in the middle third, whereas Gundo's big impact is in the final third. But all things considered, at that price, I think that's a great bit of business for City. Tottenham are closing in on a £40 million deal for James Madison. That fee is, is fair enough. Um... I think it's a decent signing. You know, a lot will depend on what else they do. But I do like James Madison. I always have. At 26, I think his best years are ahead of him. He's a productive player who, you know, gives you both goals and assists. I think he's versatile, can play wide, can play as a 10, can play as an 8. Last season, in a crap team, 10 goals, 9 assists in... 2,450 minutes, not bad. Not bad. Let down by those around him. The season before, he was 12-8 and eight in the Premier League, 18-12 and 12 across all competitions. In 3,600 minutes, 18-12. and 12. I don't care who you are. That is impressive. Uh, the season before that, he was 11-10 and 10 in 2,700 minutes. Season before that, nine and three in three thousand minutes, and the season before that, 
He was seven and seven in twenty nine hundred minutes. I think that was his first season in the Premier League as well. Yeah, the year before he was in the Championship with Norwich, and he was fifteen and eleven. Season before that, this was the year he spent some time with Aberdeen, and then came back. So he was four and ten. Uh, two and seven in the Scottish Premiership, scored one goal in three championship appearances, uh, goal and assist in the EFL Trophy, and two assists in the EFL Cup, 15-16. I think he was at Coventry that year. Yeah, Coventry. And he was three goals, three assists, but he was only a kid. Um, James Madison's a super productive player, and I think he gives Spurs the creativity they've been lacking since Ericsson left, really. And under Ange, I do think we might see a 4-2-3-1. I know he likes a 4-3-3, but I do think we might see 4-2-3-1. Kane or replacement as the nine, Kulisevsky right, Madison centrally, Son off the left, and then whichever pairing he wants in, in the double pivot in midfield. I'd like to see Basuma and Bentoncourt when he's fit. I'd like to see that be the pairing. Then Poro at right back, Doji at left back. They're very attacking. So you're going to have to have two good centre-backs. They've got one in Romero. If they get top Sopa, I think that's really strong. They've confirmed the signing of Vicario as their new goalkeeper. So, you know, we'll see how that one works out. Um, speaking of Harry Kane... Bayern Munich are set to make another bid for Harry Kane. Their first bid has been rejected on the quiet. Now, Spurs have claimed they didn't receive a bid, but they very clearly did. Um, There are reports coming out of Germany that he's agreed personal terms with Bayern and is very keen on the deal. 280 goals in 435 appearances for Spurs. I've said, I think if he goes to to Germany and plays for Bayern, he could get 200 goals in four seasons there because he'll just be, he'll be the best player in the league, I think by a decent amount. Um, He'll win league titles, he'll win cups, he'll have a chance at winning the Champions League. I think Harry Kane to Bayern makes sense for absolutely everybody involved, including Spurs. Including Spurs. If you can get, 80 million for him, 75, 80 million for him. Take it and rebuild. Take it and rebuild. Use that money to get Top Sopa, to get, I don't know what striker. I don't know what striker. That's the thing. I I would have said Ivan Tony before the suspension. I would have said maybe Tammy Abraham before the knee injury. I don't know who they go for, but I do think it's time to move on. I think it's time for him to get the opportunity to go and win stuff. Uh, Andrea Pirlo has been appointed the new manager of Sampdoria on a two-year deal. Um, I don't know how good of a manager he is. I know he's got good ideas, but truthfully, he should still be managing Juventus's under-21 team. Like... When he signed on to join Juventus as a manager, it was to manage the 21 team 
and then somehow gotten appointed manager of the first team two weeks later because they decided to sack Sarri in a bizarre move. Um, he didn't do great in Turkey, but did okay. Sampdoria are a mess, an absolute mess. Will he get time and patience there? That's a big question. Who knows? Um, I mentioned Vicario. Ruben Loftus-Cheek is close to joining AC Milan. I believe the fee is to be 14 million plus some add-ons, 15 million plus some add-ons, something like that. I, I don't know if it's a good deal, but look, it's a good opportunity for him. And he's got Fikayo Tamore there, who he knows well, so he'll have an easier time settling in. If you get a chance to go and play for AC Milan, you take the chance to go and play for AC Milan. Carlo Ancelotti has settled a high, score, high court dispute with Everton. He was suing Everton for general commercial contracts and arrangements, but there was no details given. Um, they've reached an amicable, amicable solution, so I assume Everton have just paid him off a little bit. Carlo has, a, has an enduring respect and a deep affection for the club's fans and wishes them well. He couldn't wait to leave. The first chance he got, he ran out the door. So let's not pretend. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll go through Burnley, Luton and Sheffield United and what I think they need to do this summer. And then we'll finish with the gossip and that will be us for today. So we'll see you after this. Right, welcome back. So, we'll start with Burnley, who won the championship and were one of the best championship teams I've ever seen last season, to be quite honest. First year under Vincent Company, he completely remade the squad, completely changed the style of play. They were unrecognisable from any Burnley team that we'd seen in the Premier League to that point. Now, they do have some... Fairly big holes that will need to be filled. They've already been quite active. They've brought in Dara O'Shea from West Brom. I quite like that deal. Lawrence Figueroa, who came to the Liverpool Academy, spent last season on low, spent last season with Leighton Orient and got promoted with them. They've brought him in as a free, probably for the quota more than anything. Jordan Byer was there last season, was very important to them last season. Um, I think it's a good deal at 13 million to get him done. And Michael Obafemi, who came in midway through the season on loan, played a good role. I don't think he's a starter quality player, but certainly a good player to bring off your bench. So it does look like they want a goalkeeper. It looks like that's something they've prioritized. They went for Bark for Bruggen. They couldn't get that deal done because Brighton outbid them. So they'll still be looking for a goalkeeper. I kind of feel like Queeving Keller would make a lot of sense for them, but I haven't seen his name mentioned in any links to them. They do have Murich, who's who's decent but not great. They've got Bailey Peacock-Farrell, who I think will need to leave this summer. I think will leave this summer. Uh, his career is wasting away. He's got a year left in his deal there, so I think they'll want to move him on as well. And Dennis Franchi's a young, talented goalkeeper that they're quite high on, but for now, probably will stay in the reserves of the academy team. So I think they'll bring in a goalkeeper. A right back, Vitinho is excellent. He was really good last season. And they have Connor Roberts, who's an experienced international. So I think they're good at right back. 
Left back, Charlie Taylor's solid, but Ian Matson was brilliant for them last year. Now, I wonder if they'll try and bring him back on loan again. I hope that they do, because I, I really was hugely impressed by what I saw from him last year, and I think he was vital in them coming up. At centre-back, they've got a bunch of players. They've got Ekdal, who's solid. Luke McNally was good on loan for Coventry. I'm not sure he's Premier League ready. I'd like to see him go on loan again. CJ Egan Riley is not Premier League quality at this point, but he's very young. He's only 20. So I think a loan to the Championship would be good for him. He spent part of last season on loan at Hibs. A Championship loan would work for him. Al Dakil, another very good young centre-back. Is he quite ready for the Premier League? That's the question that needs to be answered. And then you've got Bayer and you've got O'Shea. So between those two and Ekdal, I think you've got three of the four you'll want. Lone McNally, Lone Egan Riley, and maybe Lone uh, Al Dakil. And look to bring in the centre-back. Last season, they had Taylor Harwood Bellis, who was tremendous for them. I think they'd like to bring him back. So if they get him and Matson back and roll out the same defence that brought them up, which frankly was more than good enough for the Premier League. Vitinho, Bayer, Howard Bellis and Matson. If they could roll that out again, they'd be in good shape. If not, they'll have to look to buy. They will have to buy players to replace Matson and Howard Bellis. There will need to be some business done in midfield. They've got Jack Cork. They've got who's thirty four now. Josh Brownhill, Scott Twine, who's talented but didn't play a whole lot last season. Josh Cullen, I like, and Samuel Bastian, I like. Um. I do think at least one midfielder will have to come in. And then in attack, they get Vudveghorst back. He was out on loan last season, so he helps. You'll get Lyle Foster for a full year. He ha- he'll help. He'll be better. You've got Jay Rodriguez. You've got Obafemi. If Veghorst stays... They might be okay, but they are losing their biggest goal scorer from last season, and Nathan Tella, who played out wide for them. He was in on loan from Southampton, and Saints want a huge fee for him. Now, maybe late in the window, something can be done there. In the wide areas, they've got Goodmanson, Benson, Zaruri, and Sherlinov, all talented. Is there two there who are good enough to start week after week? I don't think there is. I think they need a striker or a winger who scores a bunch of goals. They need one in midfield, a left-back, a centre-back, and a goalkeeper. So that's six. Now, they've already spent $20 million. In fact, they've probably spent about 25 when you factor in Obafemi. Is there enough money left to do that? That's the big question. I don't know what their budget's going to be. They'll probably have to work the loan market again, which they did to great great success last year. If they can bring in Matson and Harwood Bellis, I think that would be really smart. And then you just have to buy one in midfield, your goalkeeper, and one up front. Get one who can score you goals, either a forward or a wide player, preferably a wide player in truth. Because of how he sets them up, the the nine tends to be more of a facilitator 
in company system. But I don't think it's massive amounts. For a newly promoted team, I think they're in good shape. I'm quietly confident that they'll stay up, but it will depend on the business they do. On to Luton, and I have to say I'm at a bit of a loss here because my immediate reaction upon looking at their squad, who they've got, who they've just lost, because remember, a couple of key pieces in that promotion team were in on loan. So you had Ethan Horvat was the starting goalkeeper, Cody Drama was the starting right back, and Marvellous Nakamba in midfield. The issue with them is Horvat's not a Premier League caliber keeper, and Marvellous Nakamba's not quite a Premier League caliber midfielder at this point. Cody Drama's a good right back. I think they might get him back maybe on loan. They have made one signing. They've bought, brought in Chidoze Ogbene, the young Irish. Well, he's not young. I think he's 26 now. Young Irish forward. I'm going to call him young again, even though I've just said he's not young. The Irish forward from Rotherham, they brought him in on a free. It's a big step up for him. It's a big, big step up for him. He was good last season in the championship. Prior to that, he'd never performed above League One level. It's not a whole lot of time ago since he was playing for Limerick in the League of Ireland. I I love his work ethic. I love the way he plays. I love his energy, how how unselfish he is. The fact that he's a Liverpool fan is is you know is always a plus. Um, I love I love how committed he is to the Irish team as well. Like I I adore Chidozi the player, or the the person rather. The player I'm not a hundred percent certain is Premier League caliber, but what I will say is. Each time he has stepped up, each level, he has found a way to make it work for himself. So I I do like that. Um, They need a new goalkeeper for certain. I think they need at least two centre-backs. There's questions over Tom Lockyer because of the health situation. He collapsed, obviously, during the playoff final. Uh, he's been diagnosed with a heart issue, but he's been cleared to return to playing. I think you need to get pace either side of him. I'm not 100% sold on the other defenders at the club. Um, I do quite like Amari Bell as a left-back, but I'm not 100% sold on who's playing either side of, of Lockyer. So I would say goalkeeper, two centre-backs... Right back to replace drama. I think left back, they might be okay. Midfield, I'd want at least two. I'd want at least two in midfield. Like, I think Louis Watson is is a good young player, but I don't think he's quite Premier League ready. Pelly, Ruddock, Mabanzu, I'm looking forward to seeing play in the Premier League. Nobody deserves it more, having been with that club from non-league all the way up. I do like Jordan Clark. I think he's a good player. But again, is he a Premier League caliber player? Same thing goes for, for Dion Pereira. Like, he can play a bunch of positions. He didn't play a whole lot for them last season. They didn't deem him quite ready. He's 24. He's probably not going to be a Premier League player. Alan Campbell is is solid, but Again, is he is he Premier League caliber? He's been good in the championship. We'll give him that. So maybe. Um Anya Dinma is, is decent. 
Alfie Doughty's solid. I think two in midfield, two centre-backs, right-back goalkeeper. And even with Ogbenya coming in and Adebayo and Carlton Morris, I might want one more. Now, they've got Cauley Woodrow, who they quite like. Didn't have a great season last year. He scored only scored one league goal. Wouldn't be was it two league goals? Two league goals, I think. Wouldn't be hugely sold. Morris is definitely good enough to start. I feel like I feel like they need one more up front, but they might forego that. Two in midfield, two in defence, goalkeeper right back. You know what? Get a striker. You need seven. You need seven players. They just do, and I think I'm being I think I'm being generous there because I actually think they need probably ten. I I would I would genuinely say, of what's left, Carlton Morris is the only player I'd be really comfortable with starting week in week out in the Premier League. I'm hopeful that I'll be proven wrong. I really am. I'm hopeful that a couple of these players, Gabriel Osho maybe steps up. And shows a new level, but they all have to prove it now. Getting to the Premier League is only half the battle. I don't know what kind of money they're going to have to spend. I wouldn't imagine huge amounts. I can see perhaps a a Norwich City type of come up, build a bit, go back down, come back up, build a bit more type of scenario. But we'll we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. I, I wish we, uh, Luton all the best. I'm thrilled to have them back in the Premier League because it's a great story. Because they've been to the you know the very depths of the valleys and they've come all the way back up to the top of the mountain. It's a great great story. Kenilworth Road in the Premier League is going to be fantastic. I am thrilled. Enjoy your journeys there. It is. It's different. It's a great little stadium. It genuinely is a great little stadium. But it's unlike anything else in England. It really is. Completely unlike anything else in England. Uh, Moving on then to Sheffield United. Definitely need a goalkeeper. Wes Fothering is not quite the level that I'm looking for in the Premier League. So I'm looking for a goalkeeper. Again... Queeving Keller makes a lot of sense for them. Queeving Keller makes a ton of sense for them. Right, right wing back, George Baldock and Jaden Bogle. Baldock's not a Premier League caliber player. He wasn't good enough the last time they were up. I don't think he's going to be good enough this time. Bogle has lots of talent, but he hasn't really developed since joining them. But they've got other stuff that they need first, so I'll, I'll say just leave that. Left wing back, they've got um, Reese Norrington Davies, who I do like. They've got Max Lowe, who I do like. They have let um, Ender Stevens leave, <clears throat> which I was a little bit surprised by. I thought they'd keep him for another year, but they decided not to. Uh, but I think they're fine at full back, fine at left back. A right back, they probably could do it, but I think left back, they're okay. Uh, they need at least one starting centre-back and one high-quality backup centre-back. Ahmed Hodzic is really good. John Egan is okay. Chris Basham is not good. They need a starter to go with Ahmed Hodzic and Egan. 
and a quality backup, ideally someone that can replace Egan in time. I'd probably, if it was me, look for three centre-backs, one right-away starter, one future starter, and one who's just a reliable, you know, will, won't let you down, a, a Rob Holding type. Um, but yeah, goalkeeper, two centre-backs. Midfield, Sander Burge is good enough. I think Ishmael Koulibaly is really talented, but he's never been given an opportunity there. Ben Osborne, to me, not quite Premier League caliber. John Fleck, not quite Premier League caliber. Ollie Norwood, not quite Premier League caliber. I'd be looking to bring in two in midfield. They lost McAdee. They lost Doyle. Two kids from City that played vital roles in getting them up. They need to replace both of them. I wonder, can they try and get one of them back on loan? I don't think City will do both of them on loan. You can only loan one player from each Premier League club, I think. Anyway, you're allowed two loans and one from one club. So um, if I was them, I'd probably look for Doyle back. I think McAtee, you can find players that do what he does. Doyle is a more unique profile. But two in midfield, for certain, up front, I'd want a striker. I really would. I... I'm not sold on Ollie McBurney in the Premier League. Osolo and and Jebison, very, very talented, but very young and very unproven. Illaman and Jai, I love. I think he's brilliant. And I think they'd be nuts to even consider selling him. I'll talk about the contract in a second, but I would be trying to I'd do everything I could to keep him. Give him a new deal. Tell him you'll sell him next summer, regardless of whether you go down or stay up. But get him to sign a new deal. You need him this year. Rian Brewster, the talent is very appealing. He has not performed at all since joining them three years ago. I'd look to loan him out to a championship team and try and rebuild his value. The weird thing about this squad is there's only two players who've got contracts beyond next season. Rian Brewster is contracted to 2025. Ahmed Hodzech to 2026. Everybody else is out of contract next summer. Everybody else. So that's something they've got to address. That's something they're going to have to spend time doing this summer. That's really, really unusual. Um, The thing for them is you'd love to see them be ambitious. The problem is they've spent big money, like really big money, three times. Sander Burge, who's been good, but not what they expected. They thought they'd get him, and two years later, they'd flip him for 40 million. He had injuries, they got relegated. He kind of became a championship regular, and that's kind of what happened. Rian Brewster's been a disaster, and Only McBurney's the third one, who does well in the championship, but not well enough. Like, he's been with them now for four years. He scored 23 goals, and 15 of them came last season. He's only scored double figures in his career twice. Once with Swansea, and once last season. If you look at his Premier League campaigns... No goals in 16-17, no goals in 17-18. Admittedly, he spent half of that season out on loan with with Barnsley. He did well in the championship that year, scored nine in 17, was on was on target for double figures. Six and thirty-six, one and twenty-three. They were the two seasons he was in the Premier League with Sheffield United. Like he's he hasn't shown he can do it in the Premier League. He hasn't shown he can do it at international level either. Zero goals in sixteen games. For a striker, that's your bread and butter. And 
I feel like I feel like he just hasn't done enough with the talent that he has because he is a talented player, but he's now twenty seven, and it's time for him to really show what he can do. And if he can't do it, they need to replace him. I would say they've got to get a striker in to partner Enjoy. In midfield, you go Burge and two new signings. In defence, you go Ahmed Hodzic, Egan and one new signing. I'd go with Bogle and Norrington Davies as my wingbacks, personally, and I'd be looking for a goalkeeper. I'd also, like I said, want a backup in defence. I'd ideally want two, but one, one will suffice. That's seven. That's seven players to come in. As of yet, they haven't done anything. They let Billy Sharp go. I'm assuming he might retire. Jack O'Connell's contract expired as well. Um, I feel really bad for him. 29 years of age and has not kicked a football really for three years. In the 1920 season, he was brilliant. When they first came up, he was brilliant. Easily their best defender. Probably their best player. Looked like a player who at that point in his career was going to be an England international. He was 25-26, on the up. I I thought he was destined to play for England. Gets the bad knee injury. And, you know, he's played two games over the last three seasons. Two games in three seasons. He might never play again. They've released him this summer at the end of his contract, and I have a hard time seeing anyone pick him up. Uh, They released Enda Stevens, who's been there since 2017, another one that came from the championship up with them. Um, He's a good player. He, He was all right in the Premier League, and I think he'll find another club, probably in the championship, only 32. I think he's still got a couple of good years left in him. Always liked Enda Stevens. He does well for Ireland. He's worked himself up from the bottom as well. Started off playing for UCD, then St. Patrick's Athletic, then Shamrock Rovers, on to Villa. Didn't quite make the grade there. Had a couple of loans. A loan at Doncaster was when he really showed what he was capable of. Had a couple of good years at Portsmouth. And then he's done very well for Sheffield United. Uh, Sheffield United. So, you know, it's a shame to see him leave, but it wasn't, I suppose, hugely unexpected. I, I thought they would have kept him. And then Billy Sharp, who at 37, um, he's in the the very tail end of his career. Premier League is, a, is definitely a step too far for him. He's a great lower league player. I think at this point in his career, he's probably a League One striker, but I think he's a League One striker that could get you 15 goals. Genuinely. I think he's a League One striker who'd still get you 15 goals even at... 37. So if I'm a League One club, I would be looking to sign Billy Sharp. He scored goals routinely in the lower leagues. Um, this was his third spell at Sheffield United. He came through their academy, didn't make the grade, dropped down to Scunthorpe, was unbelievable for them, came back to Sheffield United, wasn't quite ready for the championship at that point, but went on loan to Doncaster and did really well. Had two good seasons there, went to Southampton, good in the championship, not ready for the Premier League. And then he just sort of bounced around a bit. Loan to Forest, loan to Reading, loan to Doncaster. I went to Leeds. It didn't really work. Went back to Sheffield United in in League One and banged goals in. 21 and and 30 in back-to-back seasons. Uh, Then 13 and 23 in back-to-back championship seasons. 
Again, the Premier League just was a little bit of a step too far, but got 14 goals in 21-22 in the Championship. So like I say, get him in if you're a League One team, and I think you'll do well. They need seven players. That's my my view on it. They need seven players. I would want eight, but I always want more good players. Um, I, I've always liked Sheffield United as a club. I like both Sheffield clubs, in truth. Don't really have a preference would probably would probably have a more of a fondness for Sheffield Wednesday, uh, because a childhood friend was a Sheffield Wednesday fan. But yeah, I've always had a I've always had a, a liking for the Blades. I think it's that film. Um, is it When Saturday Comes? Is that the name of the film with with Sean Bean? Yeah. If you haven't seen that film, that's a good film. Go and watch that. When Saturday Comes with Sean Bean and Emily Lloyd. Um, I, I watched uh, the full Monty for the f- first time about 15 years the other day and I started the TV series and it's actually very good just as a Sheffield related thing so if you haven't seen the film of the full Monty watch it and then watch the TV series which I'm six episodes five episodes into five episodes into and it's it's good it is good uh, but watch the watch when Saturday comes it is a, it is a good film and uh, yeah, we'll do the gossip and we'll be done. Harry Kane wants to join Bayern Munich, but the German club's opening offer of 60 million plus add-ons has been deemed too low and they will need to get to at least 100 million. There's no chance anyone's paying 100 million for a player with one year left. I don't care that it's Harry Kane. Um, Arsenal and Declan Rice. Tottenham are closing in on a 40 million deal with Madison. We've done that. David De Gea signed a contract extension with Manchester United, but the Old Trafford club backed out of the deal and instead have offered him a lower salary than they had originally. I'd imagine there's some sort of workplace uh, contract law violation there because they offered him the contract and he signed it. So how are they now backing out of that? Uh, Eric Ten Hag's uncertainty about De Gea is behind Manchester United's U-turn over a new contract forum, Porto need to raise mo- raise money to meet financial fair play, and has seen them offer Diogo Costa to a number of Premier League clubs. Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool are ready to rival Real Madrid in signing Kylian Mbappe. No, they're not. Let's let's be really clear. No, they're not. Uh, Manchester United would also considering <laughs> consider entering an option for Mbappe. No, they wouldn't. They just wouldn't. Anyone notice how the, you know, oh, Qatar are buying United stuff's gone all very quiet in the last week or so. All because it was some spoofer on the internet who got people all riled up and it just turned out they were a spoofer. Um, Inter Milan are set to make a new loan bid to buy for, for Romelu Lukaku with a 25.8 million option to buy. You have to admire the goal of Inter Milan. <laughs> they sold Lukaku for 97 million two years ago. So three years later, they would view him as having lost 70 million in value. That's magnificent. Uh, Arsenal are comp- close to completing signings for Julian Timber and Kai Havertz. Manchester United remain interest- interested in Frankie Dion. Will you leave him alone? He doesn't want to play for you. He he wants to play for Barcelona. <laughs> Leave Frankie de Jong alone. West Ham are in talks with 
Juventus over the signing of Dennis Zakaria. That would not be a good signing. Brighton are yet to receive any offers from Moises Caicedo, but are keen to sign Mohamed Kudus. Ajax want forty million for Kudus. I wonder could Brighton get like Colwell and forty million for Caicedo, and then use that forty to get Kudus. That would be that would be a really good outcome for Brighton. Uh, Liverpool and Newcastle are among the Premier League clubs eyeing Federico Chiesa. Chelsea have turned down an offer from Galatasaray to sign Pierre Emerick Aubameyang on a free, as they want to recoup some of the. 10 million they spent on them last September. Better brush up on your Arabic, son. You're away to Saudi. Uh, Leeds are interested in Nat Phillips. This is a weird article. This article says that regardless of the manager that comes in, they're going to sign Nat Phillips. How does that make sense? What if the manager wants ball playing centre backs? It's just stupid. Uh, Real Madrid are considering activating the 17.5 million euro release clause of Fenerbahce midfielder Arda Guler, but the amount of compensation added on top is complicating the deal. His dad wants 20 million quid. This is the pre- the precedence that's been set by Erling Haaland's dad because Mark Bellingham did the same thing. Now, you know, when the players 100 million or whatever it was that City paid under the table for Haaland and the wages are outrageous and there's just millions and millions and tens of millions being thrown around, an added 20 million isn't a whole lot. You know, in the Bellingham deal, for example, it's 20 million of what could potentially be like 300 million committed to Jude Bellingham. So that's not a huge amount. In the Haaland deal, again, it's, 20 million of 300 so 50 for the fee 40 million a year in wages 30 million to the age and 20 million to the dad five-year deal that's 300 million um so that's not bad but like this kid's gonna get 40 to 50 grand a week the agent fees might be like 3 million the buyout is 15 million euro. When his dad wants 20 million quid, he wants half <laughs> of the pot. Everton have turned down a 4 million bid from Ipswich for Ellis Sims. I'd have taken that bid, to be honest. Uh, Jesse Lingard is considering all options and has not ruled out a move to Saudi Arabia. Jesse Lingard has no options and is away to Saudi Arabia. Sheffield Wednesday are in talks with former Aston Villa, Norwich and Leicester boss Dean Smith about their vacant manager's job. Um, let's see who's written this. Oh, it's Peter Rourke's. It's probably lies. Um, I, I, I wouldn't like that appointment for them. I think he needs just to go away for a little while, maybe take some time away and uh, reflect on why his last three jobs have been failures. And maybe like, Tell Craig Shakespeare, this isn't working anymore, so why don't you go do something else with your time? I think that might be wise. You know, maybe tell John Terry to go away as well. You can't have people around you that you continue to fail with. You've got to evolve. You've got to change. You've got to freshen things up. Yeah. Right, folks, that will do me for today. Uh, While I've been recording, uh, David Ornstein has tweeted out, that Liverpool have met with Dominic Zabozlai's uh, people and that they're pursuing a deal for Zabozlai. Um, that would be a thing of beauty. I have huge doubts that it would happen, but I am hopeful. 
Um, we've also had rumors that. Hmm. We've also had rumours that Manchester City are going to make a bid for Gabri Viegas, so we'll wait and see if that happens. Right, that's me for today, folks. Thanks, as always. I will see you tomorrow. Send in your questions on Discord or on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to figure out how to fill the rest of the show tomorrow now. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.